G'day there and welcome to the re-wrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package, I and Glenn ZB. Uh, the overdue MIQ bills are starting to add up. Uh, Mike will f- uh, sort Gaza for you. Uh, we've got poll trouble, I think, and uh, what Apple announced overnight. Might not be what you thought. But before any of that, uh, can we have some rich investors in here? Splash some cash about, please. The welcome mat is out. Now, there's nothing wrong with targeting high net worth uh, individuals uh, for migration purposes. In fact, you'd be an idiot if you didn't. In fact, we have done for many years now. So whether New Zealand comes out of COVID in as powerful a position as it had going in is yet to be seen, of course. We're a mile behind on the vaccine. Sir Peter Gluckman last week warned our attraction is wearing thin. There's no shortage of the business community agreeing with him and worrying about the government's lack of plan. So that was the first and obvious bit of last night's migration policy setting from the government. Get the rich here and stat. The other bit is the bit to worry about. They don't want the numbers the way they were, despite the fact the last time migration was rolling, we were, quote-unquote, the rock star economy. Migration drives growth because, as COVID has shown us, we can't as a nation of five million drive it ourselves. The government, despite the fact their ideology failed to materialise in the fields and paddocks of the country, is pushing forward with their delusion that locals can do the unskilled and semi-skilled stuff, and all we need are several hundred Bill Gates is rolling in with the checkbook and do the rest. There's a semblance of common sense, I must admit, in their work visa ideas. I mean, too many students, for example, came here from offshore, paid the fees and got a visa of dubious quality as a result. But what you can't hide from is this past season in kiwifruit, grapes and apples, despite the government's insistence around pay, the locals didn't turn up. They didn't want the work and the numbers required. They paid plenty of good money. The locals still didn't come. The experiment failed. And this is the great danger of this government. Given virtually none of them have ever run anything, they get their policy out of books. And even when the theory fails, they still push forward with the madness. Even if this country didn't need the migration numbers of the pre-COVID area, it needs a lot more than we're now aiming for. Boosting productivity, which is what they're looking to do, is not about simply upping wages. It's not about banning labour and thinking locals will fill it. We know that doesn't work. By the time this policy fails to pan out, and the brain drain builds ahead of steam towards Australia and beyond, this emperor will be shown to be desperately lacking in clothes. Oh, well, I definitely don't think we should be letting um, nude emperors in. There should be some kind of dress code. I don't care how rich you are. Licence to tell dad jokes. Two licences. Right, uh, Gaza. um, I mean, how many... There can't be that many buildings left for the Israelis to blow up, can there? Um, and no solution in sight, so no change there, right? I suppose it's your obligation, if you're at the United Nations, to go through this repetitive procedure they're currently going through of meeting, declaring the violence unacceptable, make the usual noises about peace or negotiations or a ceasefire. Uh, Biden, being the US president, will at some point have to get involved. How involved, of course, highly politically charged in and of itself. Netanyahu had a fine old time at the Trump White House. The red carpet might be a little while coming under Biden. But America, of course, has a deep and enduring fascination and level of support for Israel. So Biden's path is a trickier one to walk than Trump's. Uh, But the dysfunction, the anger, the background surely would tell any casual observer this thing will go long past our time unless, of course, one side ends up getting what they want. And given that isn't happening because it hasn't happened, then this is just another sad and sorry chapter that looks startlingly like every other sad and sorry chapter of the past decades. The media favour the Palestinians overall, or at least give them more compassionate coverage, because as far as I can work out, they're the underdogs. They've got smaller bombs, therefore they look a bit more picked on. The fact Hamas is a terror group seems secondary in terms of factors that might be taken into account. But in that, I would have thought, if you were remotely pragmatic, is the clue. You see, war 
is about victory, and victory is about strength. This is not a right or wrong thing, by the way. This is a this-is-what-it-is sort of thing. In Israel, have more weapons, more money, more resource than the people of Gaza. Always have, always will. And Qatar and Iran can throw money and rockets Hamas's way, but it's not tipping the balance. And given it isn't tipping the balance, just how big a mess do you want made of your territory before you give up in exhaustion or indeed death? Israel, rightly or wrongly, doesn't really seem to care what the world thinks. They believe they are right, and that is that. And so it will continue. A ceasefire which will come, of course, will not be the end. Never has been, not for 40 years, not now. It'll be a pause before the next chapter. The length of the pause is anyone's guess, but we will be here again. No further down the track to resolution. I mean, geez, it's depressing even talking about it. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we probably can't fix it from here. So um, I'm going to spend... A lot of the day-to-day pretending that it's not happening until I see it on the news again all over again tonight, in case the harsh reality will sink in once more. Meanwhile, uh, what is happening here is uh, people are not paying their MRQ bills, even though they may or may not have been asked to. Uh, Perhaps not surprisingly, we find out from TV1 last night, the government is owed, uh, we are owed, taxpayers are owed $7 in overdue invoices out of MIQ, $3.8 of that. Uh, from people who stayed last year. 13,155 invoices worth 60 million have been issued for stays since last August. So far, people have paid 36 million. Currently, there are 22 million in unpaid voices, in unpaid invoices, 22 million in unpaid invoices. 7 million of that is classified as overdue. What does old Chippy think of that? The system is not running as smoothly as I would like to see it running. No kidding. Yeah, if only, um, you know... Chris could get talk to the person in charge and see if get them to change those systems a bit, um, you know, streamline them a bit, get them working. Now, who would that be? Yeah, if he, I mean, yeah, maybe he can find out who that is and have a have a word. Um, we've we now a lot of poll talk. We've got polls um, happening, and the more you dig down into how the polls are actually done, the more you actually begrudgingly do have to question. If, whether the results actually mean anything at all. Uh, I'll let Mike explain. He, he does a much better job than I do. Shocking piece of reporting yesterday, and this is what's going wrong with polls and polling in this country, and this is why we've got to be a lot smarter in absorbing some of the numbers that are coming at us, because there's too many agendas floating around the place at the moment. Now, TV1's poll, which is done by Colmar, they changed the way they did their poll last year. Latest poll was done, and this goes back to last year, latest poll was done using 50% randomly generated mobile phone numbers, 50% online from New Zealanders who have signed up for market research studies. That, to me, is no longer a proper poll because a person who signs up for a market research study is not like you and I. They've got time on their hands, they're involved in a certain area, they're interested in being engaged, and they do not represent a broad base of New Zealanders. A poll, to me, is a statistically significant number of people who are rung up randomly, I don't care about landlines, mobiles, whatever, who are rung up randomly and are asked a very simple question, who you would vote for, and then you would get the answer. The other thing, and this goes back to the TV3 poll this week that looked wonky to me, and what I didn't realise at the time is why was John Key in there? That That was too random. So we did some digging yesterday. The preferred Prime Minister question, this is done by Reed Research, the preferred Prime Minister question is unprompted for the phone respondents but the online participants have a list of a dozen names given to them. So all of a sudden, if I rang up and said, who would you vote for to be the Prime Minister? You'd go Collins or you would go Ardern, or you might go Seymour. You wouldn't go Key, because Key's not in it. So they give you the name, which is wrong. 
and it skews the result. And you could well argue that everyone who voted Key probably would have gone for Collins if they didn't have Key as the alternative, because Key's not an alternative. And if you're going to stick names in there like that, you're skewing the result. So all of a sudden, has Judith Collins really crashed? If you asked a straight up and down question, Adurn or Collins, take your pick, then you'd get a completely different result if you went Collins or Adurn or, oh, how about Key? Well, so the question there is, and you may have the answer, you may have already said it, I've been lost in all your amazing facts, um, is that the same methodology that they used last time round? No, because Key's never been in there. So that was the first time and they'd so, put so, him in there. So as far as I know, all of a sudden, why is Key there? And why'd you put his name there? To cause trouble. So that's no longer a poll. Here's the other thing that isn't tossed out anymore, and it should be. How many people don't answer or don't know? The don't know number, I guarantee you, is through the roof at the moment. Because why would you know? Because you're um, two and a half years away from election. So we've got to be a lot smarter in understanding how... So, so apparently, a bit more info here. Apparently what happens is, that, so, so the, the online list yes. is compiled based on what the phone people have said. Yes. So the phone people suggested... Yeah, but but not, but, not, but you don't know at what level. Well, no. One person goes but, but John they, Key. They brought, suddenly, they brought John Key's up. on the list. But certainly, it does seem weird to have two different Correct. things. I mean, when I was in Mr. Sefton's stats class, admittedly, most of the time I was just bullying Richard McGaw, and I'm sorry about that, Richard. I'd like to publicly say that on the radio right now. But even I can tell that that seems a bit wonky combining two different it's methodologies together. It's real wonky. It's super wonky, and we need to be wary. Or weary. Oh, I'm definitely weary. Oh boy, oh boy, am I weary. Looking forward to the afternoon nana nap today. Um, I'll put some soothing music on in the background and relax a bit. It'd be great if it was in uh, better quality than what we normally get. Jeez, that was a desperate segue. Man, you just try too hard, Glenn ZB, sometimes. Why don't you just change the subject? It's, you're allowed to just change the subject. All the ins and the outs, it's The Biz on the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB. Now, as well as the AT&T and Discovery merger I just told you about, we've got news from the music streaming world as well. Apple have announced it's going to be bringing industry-leading sound quality to its service. Uh, because what happens traditionally, if you didn't know, music files, they're compressed to fit the mobile device uh, and to cope with the internet speed. That means quality suffers. Uh, but one of the ironies, isn't it? I would have thought of the modern world, given all the energy that we put into the CD revolution, how they were going to... Sound was everything. Sound was so important in CDs. Now, pfft, sound. <laughs> sound bound. Anyway, so Apple Music, they're introducing high-resolution audio. Uh, song, how it's recorded in the studio is how you will hear it come out of the speakers. Uh, it'll be free for all existing subscribers of Apple Music. 75 million songs are going to be stuck on the catalogue by the end of the year. Not the first to do, of course. Uh, smaller players' title. And Cobuzz. Title's still going. I thought that went belly up. That was no, old Jay-Z or the other guy. Yeah, it's still there. Okay. And Neil Young was into it as well, obviously. Okay, big players like Amazon, Spotify, they're expected to follow suit. Uh, they're expected to charge, though. You want the quality, got to pay the money. Yeah, that's a big news. I mean, Apple had an, has an opportunity to charge somebody extra for something, and they haven't. I don't know what's going on anymore. They'll put four songs on that are free and... No, they said that it's going to be all 75 million of their songs is going to be available at the higher quality. For now. You believe me? Oh, I see. For now. No, no, no. I'm making that part up. For now. Conspiracy theory. No one's for Nothing's for free. I mean, you know, obviously the people who are subscribing to Apple Music are already paying Apple Music. So so it's not free. It's just not extra at this point. But like Mike says, 
maybe it will be at one stage. Uh, it's all about subscription services these days, isn't it? I mean, you should just go and buy a CD, and, and that was your music to have. Oh, you don't? All right. You're not 47 like me. Oh. How many of you are there out there who aren't 47? I'm Glenn ZFB. Uh That was the rewrap. I am depressed. I'll try to cheer myself up. I'll be back here again tomorrow with another one. <laughs>